What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all. As always, first and foremost, hope everyone had a happy, healthy, and safe Christmas and New Year's. It is the new year, which means as of this podcast being released, we are one month and one day from the start of the 2023 college lacrosse season. I'm excited. I know all of y'all are excited as well. Each day, we inch closer to the 2023 season. With it being January, that's, that also means it's time for preseason talk. And we are getting into our preseason previews at lacrossebucket.com. You can read previews of each and every conference that will be coming out over the next few weeks. We'll have three come out per week this week and going alphabetically, this week being the ACC, the America East, and the Atlantic 10. We will then have the Big East, Big Ten, so on and so forth through the next couple of weeks. Ten conferences this season, the Atlantic 10 adding the NEC and SOCON going away. The A-Sun obviously in the picture bigger now with 10 teams. The MAC has also expanded a lot to get to on that front that we've talked about throughout the offseason, and it's almost till we get to see it in fruition on the field. On today's show, we are going to preview the Atlantic Coast Conference, the ACC, what has been the best conference, if not every year, almost every year, over the past decade or so, farther than that, actually, in college lacrosse. However, last year was not the best of years for the ACC. Get one team and one team only in the NCAA tournament. Virginia, the defending champions heading into last year two times, right, 2019-2021, they get knocked out in the quarterfinals. We have no ACC team in championship weekend in 2022. I don't think many people would have predicted that at the beginning of the season. It happened. The ACC, obviously, this year is looking to rebound and has a number of teams that are looking to rebound as well. Uh, practically every team, with the exception of Virginia, you could say is a team looking to rebound. We've got Duke. We've got Syracuse coming off a four-win season. We've got North Carolina with a lot to replace. We've got Duke, Notre Dame, as mentioned as well. So lots to get to here in our ACC preview, but want to first start with this, and, and this is my preseason projections. So I'm looking at these teams as they are right now. 
and will I think by the end of the season they should be in respect to the ACC standings. Remember, the ACC does not have a conference tournament. The league for a third year now will be playing uh, a couple teams twice. Um, so we, we've seen Duke and Notre Dame play twice. We've seen Syracuse, Virginia play twice, Virginia, North Carolina. Similar situation here in 2023 with a couple of teams playing each other twice. Um, different matchups in terms of who's playing each other twice than we've seen the past couple of seasons. So a little shake up there. But still, the ACC is playing more conference games um, with respect to the amount of teams they have than other leagues. Remember, the ACC only has five teams. You need six to get that auto bid. They had that for a while. Maryland leaves. They have a grace period. They're not able to fill that sixth spot. NC State, Louisville, Georgia Tech, Boston College, please add lacrosse. The ACC needs that AQ back. Getting into things here, the projected line of finish, projected standings um, from myself heading into the 2023 season. So I have it like this. Number one, Virginia. Number two, Notre Dame. Number three, Duke. Number four, Syracuse. And fifth, uh, but certainly not last, not least, is the North Carolina Tar Heels. That's how I see things shaking out right about now, how things look at this point. As always, it's the ACC. We could see a uh, myriad of things happen in this conference this season. Now, getting into our team-by-team breakdowns, I'm going to go not exactly in that order. Uh, We'll look at the top two teams in the league first, or top two teams by my standard or or by my uh, perception, how I see it in the league first. And then we'll be going into a team that I think is probably the, the, the most likely to be kind of the sleeper or underdog, if you can have that in a league as prominent as the ACC. So starting off here with Virginia. And this is a team that I said, and and many others have throughout the offseason, is the only real knock against them last year, minus the injuries that they had that hampered them at times, the only real knock that you had on them was they weren't as good as, as Maryland. And they lost to Maryland twice. That was two of their four losses. The other two being against Richmond in, in an upset um, against a very good Spider squad. P.D. Osella goes out in that game. And then against Duke there on, uh, was it Holy Thursday? When they got boat raced by Duke in what I thought was Duke's best game of the season. Uh, and, and again, Duke hasn't beaten, I mean, Virginia hasn't beaten Duke since I think 2006, 2004 in the regular season. It's been different in the postseason. And so when we had the ACC tournament, it's been different. But uh, that's a that's a crazy stat each year I look at and I'm like, okay, um, this can't be real. 
and then you, you look it up and, and on on both websites and it is it's completely real. Uh so Virginia heading into this season though, like they had what was a good year last year, and they were a good team last year. I mentioned some injuries hampered them, Matt Moore and Petey Lasala both getting dinged up. You saw them have to dig deep, shake some things up offensively when Matt Moore was out. Well, you're not going to have Matt Moore this year. His eligibility has expired. He's moved on to the pro game. And Matt Moore being kind of that, uh, you know, 1A, 1B type ex-attackman last season, sharing duties at times with Connor Schaumberger. This is an offense that we're going to get to see kind of be retooled in, 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 to, to an extent. Um, in a way, right, where you have Connor Schellenberger back. We know what he can do. 12-10 finalist, uh, a guy that could very well end up with a 12-10 uh, award of his own by the time he leaves Charlottesville, right? Peyton Cormier, a guy that, again, we, he's proven we know what he can do, uh, a, a big body who can, can get to the inside, can be a strong off-ball player, uh, has that Canadian box background that makes him such a special player, gives him such good and soft hands, especially um, in tight. And Schaumberger, as I mentioned, kind of the quarterback of that offense, makes things go. The ball is always in his stick. And then you look outside of that, and there are maybe some question marks in terms of how are these guys going to be used? Uh, Griffin Schutz, Xander Dixon, two guys that uh, really impressed last season, stepped up at times last season, right? Schutz was a freshman last year, uh, playing mostly midfield. Kind of has a similar trajectory, um, I would say, as a Connor Schellenberger player, where he did play as more of a natural attackman, ex-attackman in high school, moved to midfield as a freshman uh, and, and playing kind of that, uh, if you will, fourth attackman spot that we've seen so much here in college lacrosse with uh, teams often having to be able to have four natural attackmen on the field um, and this kind of positionless era that we're in. And Griffin Schatz, a guy looking to step up and make progress here as a sophomore, Xander Dixon, a guy who's been there, he's been in the fold for a number of years now, and uh, he saw a good amount of time last season as well. Another guy that's coming back in that offense uh, that you expect to step up and, and play some more minutes here in 2023. And then probably some of the more interesting aspects of this offense is I do like what they have at midfield. They have a ton of big bodies there, and two of them are transfers. Thomas McConvey, the America East Offensive Player of the Year last season, has transferred in from Vermont. He had a tremendous career there in Burlington. And what he's going to do in this offense is going to be phenomenal. He could play kind of a Charlie Bertrand role, if you will, there from the midfield for Virginia here in 2023. And then you look at Ricky Meisen, the uh, Stanford linebacker, outside linebacker, who was a Pac-12 honorable mention All-American, excuse me, All-Conference this fall, has entered the transfer portal, 
for lacrosse in 2023 is heading to Charlottesville, will be on the lacrosse roster this spring. And as Virginia has announced, he will be playing offensive midfielder. At least that's what they signed him as, an offensive midfielder. Got a lot of big bodies there. We'll see how it uh, shakes out. McConvey's obviously a proven talent. Ricky Meisen played lacrosse in high school, was a number one recruit in the 2017-2016 uh, class around there, Under Armour All-American type player, All-IAC guy. Right? He has been there. He has produced at the high school level, at the highest level. He was number one in the country in lacrosse for a reason. He's a guy that shows football, and uh, you know, understandably so. Chose to play at Stanford and had a good career there, especially the past two seasons. How he translates back to lacrosse and how fast, it's interesting. We'll see how that goes. I'm not one to jump out here and say he hasn't played in four or five years. He's not going to make it. Uh, anyone who's hyping this up is stupid. But I'm also not one of those people who's gonna say who's saying, hey, look, um, he was the number one recruit. He's been this good on, on this stage. We should expect him to be that good now in college. Um, I kind of take more of a middle ground approach to it of like, hey, he's talented, he's athletic, he obviously was a great lacrosse player, was a great football player, he has the right mentality. Uh, to win and the right mentality and athleticism to contribute to this Virginia team. Let's see how they, how they use him, A, and B, how much he produces and how early on. Uh, could be a case of he doesn't really play much in February because he just played football in December, which was by the time Virginia takes the field against Michigan on February 4th, I believe it is. Uh, 11th, one of those first two weekends. He's not going to have played lacrosse solely in quite a while. And he's going to have been recovering from football for only about two months. So give him give him time to figure out where he fits in this, in this team. Uh, give him time to get those six skills back in. We'll see how things go. On the other end of the field for Virginia, uh, first of all, I should mention P.D. LaSalle is back. You got to be confident there at the face-off time. Secondly is the defense. And the defense, you have Matt Noon's back in goal. And I'm pretty confident that we're going to see him take a step forward here in 2023 as a sophomore. Was a solid freshman. Was not like a, 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 a tremendously uh, fantastic freshman season. Uh, well, he had a you know, 55, 60, some odd percent, save percentage. He had some really good games. He also had some struggles. It was kind of up and down, as you would expect from a freshman, uh, even a guy of his caliber. And is going to be a great college player as he progresses. I'm interested to see certainly how he does here as a sophomore in 2023. Now, also on that defense, you get back Kate Sostad, Quentin Matusi, and Cole Casper, as well as Grayson Soliday, at the defensive midfield spot. And that D-mid spot, that, that rope unit, is something I'm looking at, like how good can they be? B 
because we've seen Virginia be like really aggressive, uh, really great at that position or at within that unit with a guy like Ellison and Jared Connors a few years ago. Um, they don't really have that kind of alpha dog there at the time being, at least from what we saw last year. So I'm wondering, can they get kind of that alpha of that rope unit there in 23 and how impactful is that going to be? So that's what I'm looking for at the defensive midfield spot as it pertains to D-mids and LSMs, right, with, with, with that rope unit. Close defense, Cole Kastner's a stud. The pterodactyl, he, he's tall, big, long, has that range, has the physicality. He's going to guard you a number one offensive player. Like He's going to guard you a number one man practically every time out. He is going to cause trouble for your number one offensive player shall you go up against Virginia. It does not matter who you are. He's a guy that can enforce his will on his matchup and does every single day. This is a Virginia offense that has a ton of talent. However, last season, especially against some of those better teams, they weren't as consistent. And when I say better teams, I mean that that day against um, Richmond, the two days against Maryland, the game against Duke. Like, they had some ups and downs. They also had some incredible performances against Johns Hopkins, against Notre Dame. Like, they held those teams to, uh, what was it, like five or six goals in the second half alone. And, and I know a couple of those games had, like, um, either one goal or winless uh, scoreless quarters. So like they had really good successes like within games, but, and they had some really good games overall, but well, maybe not as consistent as you like them to be. They ended the season around kind of the middle of the pack there in terms of goals allowed per game. So I want to see that Virginia defense take a step forward here in 23 and believe that they can. Now, moving on to kind of the next team here that I see as the, as, as the second uh, best team in the ACC at the moment, and that's Notre Dame. And let's start here with the Notre Dame defense. You lose Arden Cohen, who was a fifth-year guy there, a program great. You also lose at, at the close defense spot. Along with him at the position, you lose Jason Reynolds, who started, I believe, every single game of his college career, both at Richmond and at Notre Dame last season as a grad transfer. You lose Matt Douglas, uh, the LSM from Lehigh, who played both LSM and close at Lehigh and at Notre Dame, sliding in there as that third defenseman at close when Carson Cochran went down with the injury last season. And Carson Cochran is also close. You have to rebuild this entire close defense. Now, the good news is, A, you have Liam Intamin back in cage, who you're very confident in. B, you have two of the best defensemen, arguably, in the country coming into South Bend as grad transfers. And Chris Fake from Yale and Chris Conlin from Holy Cross. You also have Brian Tevlin coming in as a potential two-way guy from Yale. He was a two-way midfielder there with the Bulldogs, uh, a tremendous leader, it's been noted. And so you like having a guy like him in your program. And whether they play him offensively or defensively, um, 
Notre Dame needs some help at the midfield. They lose Ryan Holiday there at the defensive midfield spot. Wheaton Jack, boy's gone as an offensive midfielder. So uh, building that midfield depth there is certainly important. Jack Simmons, a offensive midfielder, comes in as a grad transfer from Virginia as well. Has multiple uh, games started there for the Cavaliers. So uh, you've got a number of really talented transfers coming in that I think are going to fill those holes nicely that you need. And especially on defense, I'm not that worried about Notre Dame having to rebuild this defense because they've had to replace pieces before um, 2021, 2022. Like they've replaced these pieces before. They had two grad transfers starting the majority of the season last year. You also have um, guys on that roster who can step up and should be expected to step up and contribute um, when you look at a guy like Ross Bergmaster and some of those other names that you hear there um, as quality polls there for Notre Dame who've gotten time as reserves or on the wings or, or at the LSM position there um, as you know, not necessarily the primary guy, but secondary, third guy there at the position. There's a number of players there. And then lastly, it's Notre Dame. This is a defense that it doesn't seem who they put out there. They're always good, and they're always going to produce at the highest level possible. It's been that way for quite a while. And uh, even though Jerry Bone is gone now, the head coach at Harvard, this is a defense that still bears much of his identity and a program that bears much of that defensive identity from Jerry Bone. So it's baked into the program now, and you kind of expect Notre Dame good defense every single year. So I'm not too worried about the Irish defense. Well, you do have some questions, certainly, though. Um, and, like, not that there aren't questions that we need to see answered defensively, because there are the defensive midfield spot. But where you do have uh, some maybe bigger questions uh, that maybe don't have as great uh, comfortable answers is offensively. Uh, you do return the Kavanaugh brothers, Pat and Chris Kavanaugh. They've produced, you know what they can do, and you expect them to do it again. You don't have Jake Taylor, though, and we mentioned Wheaton Jack, a boy's gone as well um, at, at the midfield. Jake Taylor is out until at least the midseason point with a ACL injury he suffered in the offseason similar to what happened to him heading into last year, suffering that ACL injury and not really being able to come back um, until the mid-season point where then Notre Dame obviously goes on that big run in the season. The offense really clicks, really sparks around that time. Jake Taylor proves to be kind of that lefty attackman there that they need uh, to get things done, to get what they want to do done offensively. Fits in nicely with the Kavanaugh brothers. Um, and obviously, you have Eric Dobson, Wheaton Jack Boyce, two midfielders that were, were big time there last year as well. Now, when you look at this attack unit specifically, um, you've got multiple guys that could fill that void until Taylor comes back. Jeffrey Vicodelli is a sophomore, highly rated recruit, played a little bit last year on Man Up, had a solid season. You've also got Griffin Wesselin and multiple other guys who saw starts there 
at the position as well. So this is a offense that I think you have uh, pieces there that you like. You have pieces that you believe in that can step up. We'll see how that how that all comes together and especially how it comes together early in the season. A couple big games there uh, for the Irish. You've got Maryland again. You've got Georgetown uh, both coming on the road. Uh, believe they're Ohio State as well. Uh, big you know, Midwestern battle between those two programs. So Notre Dame has maybe a bit more questions than some other, uh, certainly than Virginia, and then some other teams that I would put in the top 10 uh, coming into the season. But uh, I think they're a team that certainly uh, is going to be the second best in the ACC when it's all said and done. And when they do get all those pieces together, is going to be a formidable team. And let's not forget, they won their last, was it five, six, seven games of the season in 2022? Obviously, uh, missed the NCAA tournament, was a bit of a controversy there um, and, and how that went down. But it was what it was. And the Irish coming into 23, ready to uh, no show the committee, show people, hey, you were wrong about us last year. So they've got that motivation there with them as well coming into the season. The team that I think is going to be kind of the um, sleeper or um, you know under the radar team, if you can have one in the ACC, is North Carolina. And the Tall Heels uh, weren't, frankly, ecstatic last year, weren't, frankly, um, Great aesthetics, not the right word to use there, but uh, they weren't great, frankly, right? Like, a lot was put on Chris Gray. Like, a, a lot, a lot was put on Chris Gray. And tremendous player, phenomenal player, one of my favorite players in college across over the past five, six years, right? But one man cannot win a championship. One man cannot carry a team the likes of what Carolina had last year, which is a young team inexperienced team at many positions and uh, Chris Gray simply could not do it all himself and no one could frankly so when you look at Carolina coming in this year you look a lot of like what they lose and what they did last year and for me simply put like North Carolina if they can stay healthy and we see improvement I think they can have a really special year, a special year I think they can be a really productive team I think they can be a team that possibly ends up beating a lot of these ACC teams that we're looking at right now as probably better than them. Uh, Virginia, Notre Dame, Duke, um, e e even a Syracuse, right? Um, who I believe the Syracuse game was Carolina's only conference win last year. So, like, this is a team that has pieces there. Uh, either they got in via the transfer portal or that they bring back. Also bringing a solid freshman class as well. Obviously, Don Petromala out for the year uh, with, with the injury, which is uh, notable and, and certainly not something you want to see. But a Carolina program that has been pretty good, right? And Joe Bresci, we know, is a great coach. We'll see if you can put it together here. Uh, but when you look personnel-wise at Carolina, you see Chris Gray gone, Nikki Solomon gone, Cole Herbert gone. Jacob Kelly gone. That's all on offense. Herbert being the lone midfielder there, right? Sean Morris gone on defense and Zach Tucci gone at 
the face off done. Swig of water real quick. We've got in though Logan McGovern, attackman out of Bryant. Sean Goldsmith, attackman out of Mosa. You've got in Haley Welford, the midfielder out of Bucknell. Griffin Gallagher, the midfielder out of Gettysburg uh, Division Three school. You've got Andrew Geppert back uh, or me, in on defense. You've also got JT Roselli there at the long stick midfielder spot. I want to start with Geppert and with Roselli because this is a defense last year that suffered a lot of injuries and was pretty young. I'm a big fan of Matt Light, the LSM they have there, and Tyler Schwartz, the, the, the young Allison there as well. Like I'm a big fan of those two guys. I think getting JT Roselli at that position, uh, the Mac LSM of the year, significantly, significantly increases the production and talent at the position. Like This is an LSM room that I would not be surprised if they are the best in the ACC this year because of how much talent they have in that room. Now, Paul Barton, a young guy on that defense, and we saw a number of guys on that defense last year that were kind of in and out there, right? And you saw some of those LSM guys maybe step up and play close at times. Like, this is a unit that was pretty, um, it, it was pretty, it was like it was shape-shifting. Each week you had new guys in there, right? And different lineups. So, um, practically every week, practically every game. So, Getting a guy like Geppert in there, I, I think, is huge. That Brown defense was pretty consistent, pretty good last season, especially down the stretch. To get a guy like him that has that veteran presence to come into this defense, which was pretty young last year, I think that's a great addition there uh, to get Geppert to pair there with a younger guy like Paul Barton. And this is a defense that can have a solid, um, a, a solid season in 2023 and have a solid – year from start to finish. Um, they did have some good, solid points last year. They had some down times as well. The 20-point uh, game against Ohio State, allowing 20 in that game was, was pretty terrible, right? Um, and then you've got to be confident in Colin Krieg, what he's brought. I don't put a lot of that on him last year. I know he wasn't his best, but when you've got a defense that's changing as much as it was in front of you, that can happen. So I'm expecting him to kind of steady this year as well. And then when you look at the defensive midfield spot there with uh, specifically Connor Moore and Alex Bleshy, a uh, big fan of those two guys, this could be uh, another solid year there of a rope unit uh, with the LSMs that I mentioned and with those two guys there. Offensively, though, I, I, I last year it was interesting. Uh, North Carolina had to replace an entire midfield. This year, they have to replace an entire attack line. Chris Gray gone, Nikki Solomon gone, Jacob Kelly gone. You also lose Cole Herbert at the midfield. So, got a lot of pieces there that are gone as well. And that's a midfield that was kind of topsy turvy up and down last year as well. With that midfield, though, you do have some guys back that I think we should see progress. From Lance Tillman, Henry Schultzinger, two guys that I expect to take a step forward. And also, a lot of those younger guys last year that didn't get a lot of playing time, maybe 
as the season went on. Some guys that we saw maybe have some really good games and then have some not-so-good games. Expect a lot of those guys to step up as well. This is a Carolina team overall. I think can be pretty solid here in 2023 if they can stay healthy and if they can show that clear improvement. Um, another area where that improvement needs to be seen is at the face-off dot there where uh, you do lose Zach Tucci. You have Zach Ty- uh, you have uh, Tyler is the only guy back there um, at the dot for Carolina. Moving on here in the podcast, looking at the Duke Blue Devils. And this is a team that Duke, there is no, there is no short of talent in Doe. Like, that's, that's the thing. Um, I'm not, I myself am not concerned with the talent in Durham. I'm concerned with the execution and with how things are going to come together on both ends and frankly, the consistency in Durham. Um, Duke brings back Brennan O'Neill, Andrew McAdoy, Dyson Williams, and they bring in Tommy Schellen, as well as Jamie Zuzai at the faceoff dot, and Will Helm. Uh, from St. Lawrence Division Three, the goalie. And we'll talk about that goalie position here in a second. Duke has a lot of talent there. You bring you are on the offensive side, especially at attack. And you do have to replace the Kyma coming at the midfield, Sean Lowy and Joe Robertson at the attack spot. So you do have to replace a lot. But like I said, there's no shortage of talent in Durham. There never has been under John Nowski. And there's not a shortage of talent this year. Can they execute? Can they stay consistent? And can they form and and cohesively create an identity? Because that was the biggest thing for me last year. Every time I watched them, especially offensively, I had no clue what they were trying to do. They used Brennan O'Neill in so many different ways. They used Sean Lowy in many different ways. They never kind of created a collective identity. And, like, do you want to build an identity around an ex-attackman quarterback, Brennan O'Neill, or around a Brennan O'Neill that kind of sits on the wing and dodges? Like, what, as an initiator, like, what, what do you want to do? And that's the biggest thing for me that I'm looking for for Duke in 2023 is, like, do they have an identity on offense? I think defensively, they were not good either. Tyler Carpenter, Kenny Brower. Wilson Stevenson individually are fantastic defensemen. I think the unit as a whole, though, and I'm going to be interested to see who they run out at defensive midfield because I was not very impressed with a lot of those guys they ran out there last year and the production they gave. We'll see how this defense comes together because they've got to improve seriously. Like, seriously improve. And God bless Mike Adler. Because he he bailed that defense out a lot of times last year. And you know, we'll see how this coach unit does. And if it is Wilhelm that ends up getting the, the goalie spot there, uh, the Division Three grad transfer, we'll see how things go at the goalie spot. That's the biggest question for me on defense personnel-wise. But overall, I just want to see this defense improve. This team's got to improve. Um, look, John Anowski is one of the best of all time for a reason. He's won two championships at Duke for a reason. 
Um, this is a talented program. This is a great program. Have they been too talented the past two seasons? I don't know. Can you say a team's too talented? Can you say that? I don't know. We're going to have to see this year if they can put it together and do what they've been unable to do the past couple of seasons, which frankly I think is fine consistency because they had some good games last year. They also had some bad ones. Um, Loyola, Jacksonville, like they, and, and part of that is like, you got to form an identity on offense. I think that's first and foremost for me with this Duke team before we even get anywhere else. I will say, uh, Jake Naso, confident as heck in that man at the faceoff dot. Jamie Zuz out there as well. Like, this is a phenomenal, phenomenal faceoff unit. Could be the best faceoff unit in the ACC. Last team to talk about here is the Syracuse Orange. How do things retool that, right? Like, this is a four-win Syracuse team in 2022. This is not at all the same team that they had last year. So many guys exited the program. So many guys left. You get so many guys in. It's They, they, they wiped the slate clean. Gary Gate had some tough conversations with some guys after the season, uh, for sure. And... They kind of wiped the slate clean and said, okay, this is year one. Last year was year zero. This is year one. The building starts now, and it starts with this freshman class. But before we get to the freshman class, it starts with the transfer class because those are the guys that are going to be leading these freshmen. Those are the guys that are going to be showing these freshmen, like Joey Spolino, Riley Figurius, Billy Dwan, the way, right? Um Here's who Syracuse brings in via the transfer portal. And I'm just going to read this off this off this paper here. Alex Simmons, attackman out of Denver. Cole Coase, attackman out of Lehigh. Johnny Vacusa, face-off man out of Canisius. Jake Murphy, defensive midfielder out of LIU. Joe Bola, uh, defensive midfielder out of Kenyon. And Will Mark, goalie out of LIU. Start with that attack spot. Alex Simmons, Cole Coast, two guys that, frankly, and Simmons especially, can play attack in midfield. Cole Coast was a phenomenal player at Lehigh. We know what his what his brothers have done at their prior stops at Rutgers and CJ. Obviously, they're at Cornell, a potential Tarleton finalist winner in his future uh, there uh, with the Big Red. Helped him to a uh, national title game appearance last year. And Cole Coast has been just as effective there with Lehigh as his brothers have been elsewhere. A phenomenal player, was a big part with Lehigh. Offensively, we see him come here now. A guy that you talk about, um, you know, was given that leader, was given a, a, a C on his chest, was given a captainship for Syracuse this year, a transfer, getting a captain spot there. With the Orange, something very interesting that we've seen. I know I've heard a lot of discussion around it. Um, some people like it, some people don't. But uh, Cole Coast has that leadership ability. And along with Alex Simmons, is going to be one of those guys on the offense that's going to be leading these young players. Uh, like I mentioned, Joey Spilina, Fenway Thompson, a lot of these highly ranked offensive players, they're going to be looking up to these guys and they're going to be leading them in uh, how you do things, how you operate day-to-day -day at a program like Syracuse where much 
is given and much is to be expected. Um, Owen Hilt's also back on that side as well, which is huge, huge, huge for Syracuse to have him back. I think a big part of those struggles last year was not having him and having him go out when he did uh, just about a few weeks, uh, about a week or so, uh, two weeks from now, will be the one-year anniversary um, of him uh, suffering that injury and being out for the rest of the season. So uh, him going out when he did, I think, had a huge factor in that. I've mentioned that multiple times throughout last season, throughout the offseason, as we prepare to get going here in 2023. And uh, having him back is huge as well. Uh, we also look at a couple of attorneys on the defensive end, Brandon Alves, the defensive midfielder, and Nick Comico, the defenseman. The two guys on that end of the field that I'm most confident in and was the biggest fans of uh, last year, for sure. Two guys that look to have the best uh, – the, made the best of last year, were the best players on that end the last year in many, many respects, and expect a lot from them here in 2023. Uh, pairing those two returners there with uh, a, a guy like Jake Murphy, and we'll see what Joe Bola does moving up from a Division three program, but uh, solid defensive midfield room there as well. And, and then I mentioned the, the freshman class with the defense, Riley Figurius, um, and Billy Dwan, the two, you know, um, five-star type, uh, you know, all-American type defensemen coming in there uh, for the Orange. We'll see how they can maneuver there. And that's going to be a pretty young defense with Comico was a redshirt freshman last year. So we'll see how this defense progresses. But Will Mark, the biggest piece that they added arguably in the transfer portal, the goalie out of LIU, gives them a much-needed boost at the goalie position since Drake Porter's departure in, uh, was it 2021? Uh, last year wasn't very good. Uh, defensively, you had Bobby Gavin. number of other guys also stepped in there as well. Um, and we'll see how things go here in cage for Will Mark in the ACC. I've been a big fan of his when he was at LIU, and we'll see how he does here at Syracuse. But the biggest thing for me with Syracuse is you got to put, like, you got a lot of talent, got a lot, a lot of talent. You got to put those guys in the right spot and you've got to bring them along the right way, especially those younger guys, those freshmen. And they brought in these transfers specifically to add talent and experience. And within that, provide that leadership for this young class, which Syracuse is hinging a lot on this 2022 recruiting class. Uh, so that's that, That's really the big thing to watch for here with Syracuse is how these guys develop. And uh, they're going to need those guys to do so not as fast as they would have without the transfers, but some of those guys certainly, frankly, pretty fast if they want to have the kind of season that they would like to in 2023 and fully bounce back, make the NCAA tournament, after a horrific four-win season in 2022. All right, folks, that is it for today's episode. As always, y'all can connect with us on social media, at Lacrosse Bucket, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, lacrossebucket.com. 
where it's always lacrosse season. And you can listen to the Lacrosse Bucket podcast wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, and many other platforms. Again, hope everyone had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I hope everyone is, is as excited as me as we are marching towards the 2023 college lacrosse season. One month and one day until the season gets underway as I sit here right now.